Hello and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, you can give me a follow on Instagram at BuildItAndBlossom or check out BuildItAndBlossom.com for more. Hello, beautiful people. How are we doing today? I'm a little bit irritated. I'm going to tell you that. I've just kind of been in a mood the past few days. And um, yeah, oh, for the record, in case you don't know, in case this is your first time here, the new format that we're probably going to go with for the show is five minutes of banter in the beginning so I can like get whatever's on my mind off my chest and then we get into the nitty-gritty of the digital strategy stuff. So if you don't like the banter at the beginning, you can simply skip ahead and jump to the real episode content. But if you want to stick with me, uh man, yeah, I've just been in a mood the past few days. Um I it's it's LA, man. It's Los Angeles. So the first couple years that I was here, I really loved LA. And then, you know, the novelty started to taper off. I went through a phase where I really, really hated it. And now, like on most days, I like it or I'm neutral. Well, this past weekend, I don't know what it was. I went back to like absolutely despising it. So my biggest bone to pick with the city of Los Angeles is it is so freaking expensive. It really is, okay? So I'm originally from the Midwest. Things are a lot cheaper in general in the Midwest. Where I am originally from, not that expensive to live. So I am constantly getting sticker shock in this stupid city. Everything costs so much money and it's annoying. Like gas, let's take gas for instance, okay? So it's under $3 back at home back in uh, the motherland, as I refer to it as, also known as Minnesota. So I know that it's under $3 back home. It is creeping up to like $6 per gallon here in LA, which is absolutely ridiculous. I know that you can expect it to be a little bit more than other parts of the country. Um, Usually like what I'm used to is like, oh, it's, you know, say like $2 a gallon back home, then it's going to be like $3 or $3.15 here in LA. It's like a dollar or so more. Not like double and then some. I don't understand what's going on with the gas prices here. That's one of the things that annoys me. The housing costs are ridiculous as well. So like down a few blocks from my apartment, there is like a new construction building. And I've done my sleuthing around. I looked it up online and I found out that it is a fourplex or would you call that a quadplex? I think it's a fourplex. Quadplex doesn't sound right. But basically there are four like little like units, like condos, I guess you'd call them. Um, And they all share walls. Okay. So it's one big building, but there are four separate residences. And they're up for sale, or they were up for sale. I don't know how, but people actually bought them. Um, But they were up for sale, and I found the cost online. And for one, for like the the intro condo, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, Not like the top tier fancy condo, but like, 
the smallest condo in this building, in this fourplex building where walls are shared, the cost was $1.795 million to share walls with three people. To have to park on the street, I don't even think they have a garage. To have no yard. Like, that's insane. Like, what are you doing? And if you're like, yeah, well, like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. Um, I don't know. You and me have to have a talk because where I'm from, $1.795 million would buy you a mansion with a lake view. You would have a giant yard. You would have six bedrooms. You would not have neighbors sharing your walls. You'd have so much privacy. It would be amazing. Houses do not cost $1.795 million where I'm from. And I refuse to believe that people are okay with this. It's ridiculous. So anyway, that's my biggest gripe to pick with LA. And I'm just like, I'm so sick of the city. It's so loud. It's so expensive. There's so many people. It's so crowded. There's so much going on. And I need some peace and quiet. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm at. Thank you for letting me vent. Um, I also feel a little bit depressed, and if you remember back to the previous episode, if you were fortunate enough to have given it a listen, you might remember that I referenced like a day in January, like a Monday in January, a specific date that they say is the most depressing day of the year. Okay, so I wanted to follow up on that. I did my research, so I actually sound like I know what I'm talking about a little bit more. The day is called Blue Monday. This year it is January 17th and Blue Monday is basically like when you're super depressed because you're going through post-holiday blues, Um, you have post-holiday debt, which this episode is kind of related to. Hopefully I can uh, help you out if you're experiencing some debt this time of year. Cold weather, probably right now, sickness, everyone's getting sick, everyone's fed up. And then also I think there's just like the pressure to keep up with New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. So all of this kind of like compounds, puts us in a bad mood, makes us depressed, and congratulations, we're not through (laughs) the thick of it yet because the worst day of this is going to be January 17th because that's Blue Monday. Awesome, right? I'm so glad that I'm the one to break the news to you. I just want you to be prepared. All right, now we are finally moving on. We are getting to the meat of this episode. And yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about money management for small business owners and solopreneurs. And more specifically, I want to share with you a few things that you can do to really save some money. There are some audits that I highly suggest you perform. And at the beginning of the year, you know, there's no time like the present. So I know like a lot of solopreneurs and small business owners, they have these big lofty plans and goals for 2022. And that's absolutely wonderful. Like I don't discourage doing that. But I will say that sometimes when we're so focused on like these big flashing numbers and, you know, we're going to get X amount of sales and we're going to get X amount of people joining our our email list and we're going to sell them and we're going to make all this money. You know, when we're focused on that, it's really easy to let the little things slip through the cracks. And some of these things can result in cost savings if you actually pay attention to them. So, you know, sometimes 
especially if like we have a tendency to get a little out of control with our spending at times, um, we forget, you know, just how much we are spending and how much these little things add up over time. You know, maybe we have a bunch of like business expenses and things that we are used to paying for on a monthly or annual basis. So we see that like annual or monthly recurring subscription on our credit card and we're just like, yep, like that's a business expense. Can't help it. Gotta have it. Nothing to see here. Let's move along. But do you really need everything that you're paying for? You probably don't. I really think it's like any kind of finance. So it's like personal finance too. There's always a little bit more that you can squeeze out. Sometimes there's a lot more. (laughs) You can cancel some subscriptions. And personally, like one of the things that gets me is like not doing returns for physical items. I recently ordered a thermometer on Amazon and um, it didn't work very well. It gave me very different inaccurate readings. So I I did it like one time and it was like 96.8 and then I did it 30 seconds later and it's like one of those like thermal forehead scanners or whatever and it gave me a reading of like 91.2 and then 30 seconds after that it gave me a temperature reading of like 99.8. I don't know. It was just, I I didn't like it. I wanted to go back to the old school thermometer that I already have, but I couldn't find batteries for, and that's why I bought this one in the first place. But I'm like, you know what? I don't need this broken ass thermometer. (laughs) I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to actually return it because it doesn't take that much effort to go and return. But I think it's like something like that, that slips through the cracks because no one really likes, you know, going down to UPS and giving them your box to return to Amazon. It's so easy. You don't even have to box it up these days. You know, you just go in with the item and the little QR code on your phone and you have them scan it in and they do the rest. At least that's how uh, they do it here with the Amazon returns. Like it's so easy, but it's one of those things that we don't want to do. We don't want to take the time to do, but you know, there is money um, that you can get back when you actually do your returns. So like, I'm going to return that. I will get my $18.97 back. And you know what? That's awesome because that's a couple cups of coffee. Probably only one here in LA, but you know what? It's probably like five somewhere else. So um, yeah, that was like an example of cost savings in your personal life. But now I want to pivot and I want to talk about some of those sneaky little savings that you can do within your business. So We're going to be going over like six or seven of these things today. Some of these may not apply to you depending on what kind of business you own um, or even like what stage you're at in your business. If you're a beginner, maybe you haven't um, even like thought of all these things yet. But if you've been in business for a while, um, you may have all of these things and you may be able to uh, really net some cost savings just by auditing these things, okay? So I want to start with your email list, okay? So like your email marketing service provider. Now, fun fact, and I'm not really uh, proud of this, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that back in the day, I paid close to like $1,000 per year on a premium um, 
like plan or membership or whatever with my old email marketing provider. And I had to do this because I had so many subscribers. So I wasn't like eligible or whatever for their lower tier plans because I had so many subscribers on my list. Now, this sounds like a good problem to have, right? And this would have been fine if I had been properly utilizing my email list and if I was making that money back and then some, then it would be like, oh, I'm spending, you know, a grand per year on my email list or on my email marketing service. Cool. I'm making five grand per year back. So that's a good thing. But in my case, a few years ago, I wasn't. Um, I made the mistake of growing my email list really, really quickly with opt-ins that weren't 100% aligned with my business or like the thing that I really offered. So what happened is I grew my list really fast, but I got a lot of people on it um, who were subscribing, but they weren't my ideal target audience and they really had no business even being on my list in the first place because they were never going to buy what I was selling, you know what I mean? Um, so my tip here is make sure that you are growing your list in a smart way. Um, you know, we commonly hear of like little like fun like marketing, email marketing growth hacks or whatever and some people will be like, oh, do a giveaway. And giveaways can be good to grow your list but they can also attract the wrong crowd too. So <laughs> if you do a giveaway for like, like a lot of free stuff, then sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you're going to get people who are only looking for free stuff and they're never going to actually like buy your thing. They, they have no interest in spending money on like anything. So <laughs> why would they buy it from you? Um, so yeah, sometimes with like giveaways, you got to be careful because giveaways are not necessarily the best, the smartest way to grow your list. And you know what? This means that sometimes slower growth occurs if you aren't doing these flashy uh, techniques to grow your list. And slower growth is fine, especially if it means that your subscribers are more in alignment with what you do and what you offer. In case I didn't make myself clear though, like I, I don't, every business is different. Every product, every service, every offering, every target audience is different. There are so many different factors. So sometimes a giveaway may be a very good idea, but sometimes it may not. Okay. That's just, that's all I'm trying to say. So don't, don't come after me if you're like, oh, well I did a giveaway and it worked really well for me. That's cool. Like I've done giveaways too and they've worked, but sometimes they aren't the best, okay? So anyway, back to my case. With my really giant email list that I was paying a premium for, I actually went in and I deleted the whole thing pretty much and started from scratch. And it sucked. Um, it was a very slow growth process building it back up again. But what I was able to do was I was able to downgrade my plan. Eventually, you know, I had to pay more because my list I was able to build back up again. Um, but I was able to pay a lot less while I was in those building stages. And I wasn't losing money paying for people who were on my list but had no business being there. So now is a really good time to audit your email list 
list. If you have an email list that is full of subscribers that haven't heard from you in ages, maybe it's time to start over or you can run a re-opt-in campaign. So that's something like you've probably received them before where someone will email you and they're like, hey, are you still there? Or, hey, I haven't emailed in a while. Like, are you sure you still want to be on my list? Um, so that can be a really good thing to do. Um, so you can make sure that the people who are on your list do indeed want to be there and they are the right fit for you and vice versa, that you're the right fit for them. Um, running one of these re-opt-in campaigns, it's a good practice anyway. If you haven't like sent an email out in a while and it can really help you weed out people that you don't need. And then one other thing with the whole email uh, list audit thing, you want to be cautious of spam subscribers. You can get rid of these too. These can be a little bit tricky to weed out sometimes if you don't know what you're doing. Some of the email marketing services have tools to help you do this. And I will say that I don't think that spam subscribers are really as common as they used to be. Um, the like opt-in verification stuff has gotten a lot better. Um, but this was a real problem, especially with MailChimp back when I was kind of starting out like in 2014-2015, these email lists would be like loaded up with spam subscribers and you know you'd end up eventually paying for spam subscribers because they count toward your overall subscriber count. So yeah, uh, audit your list for spammy people and people that are no longer necessary and you may be able to downgrade your email marketing plan to a lesser tier that costs less money and you can put your cost savings toward a couple cups of coffee every month. There you go, you're welcome. I hope that was helpful. All right, so we are moving on to our next tip here, the next audit that you should perform for potential cost savings. Audit your web hosting or like website plan, okay? So if you have a Squarespace or a Show It site or something like that, you probably are familiar with, you know, that there are different uh, plans on these platforms. So so like maybe you're on a higher tiered plan, you aren't on the beginner plan for whatever reason, but Make sure that if you are on one of those higher tiered plans that you are actually utilizing the features that come with that plan. Maybe you aren't, maybe you want to be, and that can be a good thing to find out from your audit. Maybe you don't even know what these features are, but hey, you go and you look and you see, oh, I could be doing this because I'm paying to be able to do this. Let's do it. That's, that's helpful. That's going to help strengthen your brand and your business more than likely. Maybe you're like, oh, like I'm paying for all this, but I don't use this and I don't think that I'm going to in the foreseeable future. So in that case, what you can do is you can downgrade and pay less for your plan. So a specific example of this, I have clients that use Show It and they purchase the plan that comes with the blog option. So the blog option um, is more than just the standard show it plan. And these this, this client, um, they thought that they were going to, you know, blog. They thought that they were going to put uh, blog articles out there. But you know what? At this point, it's like nine or ten months later, and they haven't even drafted a post yet. So in this case, what I would suggest doing is looking into downgrading the plan. Downgrade the plan that you're on. Go down to the beginner 
plan because you can always re-up it when you need it and you can save like maybe a good 60 to $100. Of course, it depends on the different plans, um, but you can save like 60 to 100, I'd say on average doing this. And hey, that can, that can buy, I don't know, what can that buy? A couple good meals, right? Yeah. Go spend it on some good meals. Or, you know, <laughs> reinvest it in your business in another way. That's probably what I should be uh, what I should be telling you to do. But for me, it's all about the food. Let's go spend that money that we're saving on a meal. Okay, so if you have a self-hosted WordPress website, so you don't use like Squarespace or Showit or anything like that, you also have web hosting. So some web hosting plans go up in price after your first year, depends on the company. Um, some of these jumps in price can be quite drastic. And in this case, you know, you don't necessarily have to be paying as much as you are for that web hosting. Um, but I will say, sometimes with web hosting, what you get is what you pay for. So sometimes cheap web hosts do not offer quality service. Not all the times, but I would say most of the time that is true. Um, it really depends on your website. You know, if you have an e-commerce website or another kind of website that requires a lot of power and resources, and right now, you know, your current web host is working well for you, I would be kind of hesitant about moving that around. Why mess with a good thing? But if you have a relatively basic website, definitely consider shopping around for your web hosting. I recently did this, and it's kind of a pain to transfer things. Things. Um, sometimes, depending on the web host, they will actually offer, like the new web host will offer free transfers. So if you aren't super tech savvy or you don't want to hire someone like me to help you transfer your website for you, um, you can look into companies that will do it for you for free. But yeah, like I was saying, I recently shopped around for my web hosting and I was able to save about $325 a year. So like that's worth the hassle for me. Um, 300 smackaroos, like yeah, I'll take that in my pocket. Like we can buy a couple of really awesome meals with that, right? Like we can go to Sugarfish, one, two, three, four, five, I'll say five times. Sugarfish is a sushi place that I really like here in LA. And we can go get some great sushi with our savings. Awesome. All right, let's move on now. Let's move on to our third area where you can save some dinero, and that is with plugins and add-ons for your website. So depending on what type of website you have, you may have purchased additional add-ons or plugins, and some of these may be billed to you on a monthly basis. Others may be billed on a yearly or annual basis. Um, so make sure that you actually need all of the plugins and add-ons that you're paying for. I know this sounds like common sense, but as you keep adding more and more to your website, sometimes you can forget why they're even there in the first place. So a pro tip with this, because these plugins and add-ons usually have very different renewal dates because you'll buy one in like September and then two months later you'll find you have a need for another one and then you know in January you need another one like they're all spread out. What I recommend doing to help you like manage this is keep a spreadsheet that has the plugin or add-on name, 
maybe even the developer, uh, the cost, and the renewal date so there aren't any surprises. And this way you know everything that you're paying for, you know like what your plugins are and what they're doing. I would also even maybe um, consider in that spreadsheet like adding a line or two about what the plugin or add-on does so you have a little bit of documentation there because again you know as you have more and more things that you're adding to your website it's really easy to forget. So I had a client once who had a premium plugin and the premium plugin, the function that it gave her website is she was able to do gift cards or certificates, whatever you want to call them, digital gift certificates. And she thought customers would be buying gift cards all of the time, but it turns out that no one was really getting gift cards. It was... $130 per year to have that feature. You know, that's not a whole lot, but when no one was taking advantage of it, like might as well get rid of it, right? And use that $130 for something else. Of course, if you are getting rid of something that people actually use, well, maybe that's not the best idea in the first place, but if you decide it has to go, it's best to have some kind of exit strategy. So in the case of the gift card example that I just I just described, I think what this client did is she contacted like the one or maybe like two people who had outstanding balances on their gift cards and she worked something like out with them. Uh, there was no harm done, wasn't a big deal. But you know, if you have like a, a feature or like something that a lot of people are using, well, that might be a different story for you. All right, now let's move on to the fourth area where you can get in on some cash savings. This is one of those that isn't going to apply to everyone, but this one involves core software that you aren't really utilizing. So it's been a couple years now, actually probably like five years, but I used to have a couple of evergreen courses available under like a different brand name. There came a point in time when the course or courses weren't really popular anymore. There's one that honestly probably was never popular. It was like a business plan, like create your own business plan e-course. And um, yeah, it's all coming back to me now. I get why it wasn't popular because creating a business plan, it just like sounds boring. The materials were good, but I think my marketing at the time wasn't the best. So it wasn't like super successful or anything. But anyway, like there was a course that was pretty popular, but then it kind of tapered off. And, you know, I was barely getting any students coming through at all. And I really wanted to take some time to redo the course that had been successful anyway. I wanted to update it. I wanted to get new material added to it. But of course, that was going to take time. And honestly, I wasn't even sure if like I wanted to keep the course anyway. But you know, the fact was I was paying like $49 a month to have it hosted on the platform and have it available to students. Now I see a lot of people who advertise their courses as granting students lifetime access. And I think that's like what I did back in the day too, because it sounds really good when you're trying to sell the course, right? So I think like I felt bad, you know, back in the day, I felt bad if I like took the course down because students would no longer have access, you know, they would no longer have that lifetime access if the course isn't there anymore. And that just felt kind of icky, kind of weird, kind of dishonest. Um, even though, you know, to be honest, at this point, there weren't really any students accessing it anyway. And like, obviously, I'm not going to be able to pay $49 a month to Teachery or whatever software I used. I can't pay them that from like now 
to eternity, you know, it's got to end at some point. But I was really hung up on that lifetime access thing and like sticking to that. Well, now I see that courses out there are promising access for a limited amount of months. So you buy the course and you get access for like nine months or 12 months. And honestly, I like this because as a student, I am more apt to pay attention to the course when I like I first gain access to it because I know that I have limited access. I know that I'm not going to be able to go back and look at it like two years later or whenever when I you know, believe I'm going to have more free time. I just bite the bullet and dive right into that course because I know I got to do it sooner than later. Um, And then, you know, limiting the access to like six or nine months or 12 months or whatever. I like it as a course creator as well because it makes it easy for me to pull the course down and update it before making it available to students again, you know, if I choose to go that route. It allows me like time to evaluate if the course is doing well, what needs to be updated, what needs to be changed, uh, is this even the right fit, how did students like it, how can I refresh it, you get the idea, okay? This is one good thing to audit, you know, see where your courses, if you have them out there in the world right now, see where they're at, see if they need like refreshing. If you are paying for software, but no one's coming through your course anymore, maybe it's time to take that sucker down and start saving that $49 a month until you offer something else. I don't know. Just an idea, just something that I wanted to share. Hope it works for you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next area where you might want to audit and, you know, there's potential here for cost savings as well. So we're going to be talking about ads, okay? Um, to be honest, like paid advertising is not an area that I dabble in very much at all. Um, I know the basics, you know, and I know, of course, that if you're doing paid ads, you want to make sure that you're really on top of your analyzing, okay? So you want to make sure that the ads that you're purchasing are worth your while. So back when I sold on Etsy more, you know, Etsy just seems kind of like dead these days, at least for the type of stuff that I'm selling. But I used to really go gangbusters on Etsy. And there was a time when I paid for like the Etsy ads to get increased sales. And I will tell you, it worked. You know, and Etsy tracked everything, so I was able to see when I got a sale that was a direct result of paid advertising. But when I really sat down and crunched the numbers, I found out that it was barely worth paying for these ads. So I'm I'm definitely not in the mindset right now to talk about math or anything really to do with math. I just, it's too much for me right now. But I will say that there is a metric called return on ad spend. And with this metric, you can calculate it by taking your conversion value, and then you divide it by the cost of the advertising, and then you times it by 100. So it's a percentage. So a real life example easy terms here. You know, let's say you sell one $50 piece of art on Etsy and then you spent $10 in advertising. So if you do the math and you run it through that formula and if you, you know, aren't really good at like doing math um, manually, there is like a calculator online you can find if you go into Google and you type return on ad spend calculator, you can just pop in the numbers and it'll do it for you. Um, but if you sell, you know, one fifty dollars piece of artwork 
on Etsy, you spent $10 in advertising, the return on ad spend is going to be 500. And that's worthwhile because you're making a significant amount of your ad money back. You know what I mean? But you have to be careful because if your return on ad spend is super low, you're basically paying for nothing. You know, you're breaking even in which case your ads probably need to be optimized. Um, and then there is also the unfortunate the unfortunate uh, event that your return on ad spend could be negative too. In that case, like that would occur if you spent $100 on advertising, but you only sold $90 worth of your stuff. So in that case, your return on ad spend is only 90%, and you aren't even breaking even in that case. Now, it probably sounds obvious that you need to check these metrics to make sure your ads are worth their while, but a lot of people don't do it, or you know, maybe they do it in the beginning, but they don't do it consistently. They assume that the ads were working once and they're gonna keep on working, why wouldn't they? But you know what, like the market can change, something changes, uh, make seasonal fluctuations. Of course, it all depends on your product, your service, whatever you're offering. Um, but that's why you really want to monitor it closely to make sure that you aren't having money go flying out the window with your ad spend. And then I also think it gets tricky when you're getting like a significant number of sales and income from those sales because of course that feels good. And of course we're going to focus on those numbers, but we really don't focus on like how much money we're spending on ads sometimes that can be the case too. So the bottom line is now is a good time to reevaluate any paid ads that you have out there. If they aren't performing well for you, well, hey, figure that shiz out, figure out what you're doing wrong and start making more money off your ads. Or if you aren't in a position to do that right now, maybe just uh, can the ads all together for the time being and you can regroup and figure out how to do them better at a later date. All right, so moving on to our sixth area that you should audit for potential cash savings. Love that cash money. This area is anything else extra that you use, but maybe you could use like a free version of. That makes sense, it just didn't sound the most eloquent. Now is the time to audit all this extra stuff. So you probably have a lot of monthly subscriptions. You know, I know we have like a lot in our personal life that we can get rid of or maybe don't, maybe we don't want to get rid of them, but we don't absolutely need like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all of those things. Well, of course you can do this for your business as well. Okay. So with a lot of monthly subscriptions, you can pause or you can downgrade to a free version if you're not going to properly utilize them for a month. Because like, let's face it, like a month goes pretty fast and maybe we're not even going to use this thing that we're paying for for like a couple months. And in that case, why are we going to pay for it? It makes no sense. It's just lazy to not cancel it, you know? So don't be lazy. Get the cost savings. For example, I use Loom, and Loom allows me to create videos for clients, like screen share videos. Um, it also allows me to record like the digital training videos that I put out for you guys. Um, there is a free plan with Loom. The limits are pretty small, so videos have to be under like five minutes in length. You can't draw on them. I don't know. Like it, the free plan is pretty limited. I'll say that. So I typically do pay the 
$8 per month for like the next tier plan. And that allows me to do a lot of stuff, you know? That allows me to do all of the training videos and these long extensive videos for clients and whatnot. But I will say that, you know what? I am not doing that all of the time. I am not recording training videos for you guys all of the time. And knowing this, I recently downgraded my account so I wouldn't have to pay for it because I knew that I was not going to be doing any recording at all during the holidays. And yeah, it only saves me $8 a month to cancel that for the month. But like, if you do it a couple times and you do that with other things as well, you know, that money can add up quick and save you a, a like sizable sum for the year. And people will hate me on this too, but you know what? Sometimes I even cancel my premium Spotify. <laughs> I know, gasp. It's like, it's awful. It's egregious. But sometimes I just know that I'm not really going to be sitting around listening to music. And so I might as well cancel it and save that $9.99 for the month. Why not? Like I say, it all adds up. So, you know, make sure that you're looking at everything, taking everything into account. Even if it's only a small fee for the month, if you do that with multiple things, you can really get some some fine cost savings added up from all that, okay? All right, so that's almost a wrap, but I've got one little bonus cost savings tip for you, and this one is unsubscribe to mailing lists, okay? So this kind of goes into that personal finance realm. Could be related to business expenses too, but at least I know for me, like I did a lot of shopping for, you know, holiday gifts like the past couple months, and I managed to get myself on a lot of email lists for different companies. So like all of a sudden, I'm on Urban Decay's email list and I hadn't been on their email list before and I keep getting like emails like every day advertising like 50% off their makeup. And I gotta say, it intrigues me. I open the email every time, even though I do not need any more makeup. I definitely don't need any more skincare stuff. Oh my gosh, I'm swimming in it. So <laughs> to get rid of the temptation, I am just unsubscribing myself from these email lists. It's a good time to do this anyway. You know, it's a good time to declutter and just make your life more stress-free. And in this case, when you unsubscribe from these, it reduces the temptation, removes it, gets rid of it. You're not even going to be thinking about Urban Decay or buying more skincare because do you think about that on a regular basis if you don't get that email in your inbox, if you don't see it? Like, do you wake up and you're like, oh my God, like, I know that Urban Decay is having a 50% off sale. Let me go get some. Like, I don't know. I don't think like that. I'm thinking about other things, probably food. So I unsubscribe from Urban Decay and I'm not going to be thinking about them beyond this episode anymore. And then I'm going to keep my money in my wallet and it's going to be a good day. Okay, so unsubscribe from those mailing lists. Simple tip, but you're welcome. All right, so there you have it, guys. I know some of these seem kind of basic, don't they? Um... But they're things that, like I said at the beginning of the episode, you know, you can easily overlook, you can get lazy and complacent and not look at these things when you should be. So save money this year by auditing things like your email marketing service and your list, your web hosting or your web plan, plugins or other extra add-ons, course software, ads, and anything extra you use but don't fully utilize every month. 
this is kind of just scratching the surface with this. You know, you may have some other areas you can look at to reduce your spending when it comes to business expenses. But I hope this was really helpful. I hope it gave you um, some practical things to think about. And I hope that you're going to be saving some money and spending it on food or reinvesting it in your business. All right. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bite Size Strategy and allowing me to hit you with these brand building tips. If you are hungry for more snackable bites, subscribe to the podcast and you can also check out builditandblossom.com for more stuff like this. And that's a wrap, you guys. I will see you next week. Hope you enjoyed it.